Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them the tools to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. We're going to have so much fun today. You know what? I say that every time, but I do. I just always have so much fun. I love my guests. Um, But the important thing is we always get to learn. And today we're really going to learn a lot because we're going to be talking about dreams. But no, no. Not the type of dreams you have with your eyes closed and your little head on the pillow. We're going to be talking about career dreams, professional dreams, all sorts of things like that. And with me is the dream business coach, Jim Palmer. So, Jim, welcome to our program. Deb, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited about your program. You know, we really are going to have so much fun. And, you know, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert and in-demand coach. He is the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Dream Business Coach TV, the hit weekly web TV show watched by thousands of entrepreneurs and small business owners, and he is also the host of Stick Like Glue Radio a weekly podcast based on Jim's unique brand of smart marketing and business building strategies. Jim is best known internationally as the Dream Business Coach and creator of No Hassle Newsletters, the ultimate done-for-you newsletter marketing program used by hundreds of clients in nine countries. He's the acclaimed author of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books. Holy schmoly! Um, <laughs> You know, and, and uh, you know, so uh, just tons and tons of great information. Um, Jim speaks and gives interviews on topics such as entrepreneurial success, newsletter marketing, client retention, how to build a profitable business, how to create your own dream business. And uh, I can already tell we're going to need more than an hour. <laughs> so please uh, join me again in welcoming Jim Palmer. So welcome. I am ready to go. Wow, I, we're just chewed up the hour with my intro. I know, I know. You know, it's so much fun. I, I love reading people's intros because we really get to know a little bit about you and why you um, are going to make such a great guest because you've got all this information. But let's go back and start, not quite at the beginning, but why did you decide to found a business based on business dreams? You know, How did you become the dream business coach? Well, my first business step was in 2001, and I was uh, – let's see. In, let me back up one year. In 2000, July of 2000, I was 41 years old, and I was VP of marketing for a training company. So I kind of hit one of my goals, which was to be a VP by the time I was 40 for no other reason, just so I could say I did it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I came in on a Monday after a, a long family vacation and was told my position has been eliminated oh, with yeah. this company. <laughs> yeah, So – I had done really well for myself, and I thought – I told my wife and said, honey, don't worry about it. I'm going to be fielding multiple lucrative job offers in a matter of days, if not weeks. So right. a year later, I'm still unemployed. Oh, dear. And um, so in late July of 2001, I was uh, diagnosed with cancer, um, and so that really – all of a sudden, finding a job was – even less unimportant. Right, right. Priorities <laughs> um, shifted. That's right. Priorities shifted. 
I did end up getting a job offer in uh, uh, late August. I kind of was going through this whole thing while I was seeing the doctors, figuring out what was wrong and all. There was talk about a stressful month. But then as I was um, laying on the couch in early September recovering from my surgery, that's when September 11th happened and my job offer went out the window because, you know, that that time was very difficult for our country and a lot of uncertainty. So then uh, just honestly, Deb, I was at the lowest point of my life and – I just prayed for guidance because I felt, man, I am so out of control here. Mm -hmm. And I believed I was told to start a business. So I started my first company in October 2001. Five years later, I had grown into multiple six figures, but I didn't have a life at all. So money was coming in, but I was like, I mean, up at the – before the crack of dawn, working all kinds of hours. It was the typical chief cook and bottle washer syndrome. You had to be up 24 hours a day because you were doing everything. Everything. And it wasn't until my wife, Stephanie, said, "Um, when are we going on vacation? We haven't been on vacation in like five years since before you lost your job. That was Mm -hmm. the last vacation. And I thought, well, we could certainly – afford a vacation, but how, and then I got real panicked, Deb, because I'm like, how can I go on vacation at, when my business would like cease to exist? Right. This is before Ring Central when you could forward, you know, and have all your calls answered professionally mm-hmm. no matter where you were. Um, and besides that, I was writing and designing newsletters, overseeing printing and mailing. I was doing deliveries. I was doing everything. So mm-hmm. what would happen? So I decided I need to reinvent myself yet again. So for about a year, as I call it, I went to university and I learned everything I could about internet marketing and direct response copywriting. And uh, long story short, in 2007, I launched uh, my first internet business called No Hassle Newsletters. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, I launched Concierge Print Mail and Demand, No Hassle Social Media, Custom Article Generator, Pinterest Creator Gra- Graphics, all these different internet businesses. And then 2009, people are like, how are you creating all these like six-figure businesses? And that's when I started my dream business coaching program. Great, because you had turned what you were doing into your dream jobs. I, I, well, you know, the, my dream business is what I have now, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's only because of everything I went through that I fully recognize that. So, uh, you know, I've set up my dream business so I can basically work three days a week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Mm-hmm. I'm on the phone usually from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. doing okay. um, client coaching calls and interviews like you and I are doing, mm-hmm. and then I'm off Monday and Friday. Now, I live in the Northeast currently. Um, but so in the winter, it's not like I'm sitting with my feet up doing nothing. I'm actually writing my next book now. So I'm, I usually go into production mode on Mondays and Fridays. Okay. But in the summer, my wife and I, um, well, we, we've had a boat the last three years. Actually, we're going through a major life thing. We're, we just bought a 50-foot boat. We sold our house. We're going to be moving on board oh. in a month. So we're going to be – I will not be working Monday and Friday in, <laughs> in, you know, in about two months' time. But that – Obviously, took a. I mean, I'm now almost 16 years into it. That that took me a while to be able to create that. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, let's talk through that process. Did you, you know, because sometimes people say, well, you have to have clear vision and clear defined goals, and and I'm, I'm not, you know, I say that in a funny tone of voice, but I'm certainly not making fun of it because we do have to have goals. We have to know what end we want to get to. But kind of walk us through the process. You know, you mentioned that it's it's taken you 16 years. What were some of the missteps and the the things that went right along the way for you? Uh, I'm not sure how many missteps there were because everything <clears throat> sort of leads from one right. thing to you the learned next. From them. 
I did start a I did start a second or I guess it would be a third business. I call it my second business once my first business closed and I was into the internet space with a with a buddy and and um we did that for about a year. Uh we ended up closing it and you know we each lost about 15 grand. So that could be something that didn't work out, but we just learned a lot of lessons each. We're still great mm-hmm. friends today, so that worked out. But you know not everything you do um has to be a six or seven figure business. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got some things I, I created a program for creating fun Pinterest graphics when Pinterest came out or started getting really popular three, four years ago. <clears throat> and, you know, if I ever made 50 grand a year from that, that would have been a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I what I figured out is that people with high incomes usually cobble together different revenue streams. It's right. usually not one business that's really kicking butt. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I went after. I went after multiple streams of revenue. And that's why I was uh, always opening different businesses. But in reality, the businesses that I kept opening would support each other. One mm-hmm. client, one one business could use uh, – other customers of that business could use uh, this other service, et cetera. Right. So it's really maximizing the asset, which is your customer relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned that they all kind of dovetail together. And I think that's something that – you know, especially entrepreneurs get very confused at because they, they, in many cases, I will see somebody who they might be doing three different things, but they're doing three different things. Um, you know, I was, I was at a, a networking thing not long ago and somebody handed me three business cards and one was for landscaping, one was for insurance salesmen, and the other one was for um, makeup, cosmetics. And it was, Lord. they did all of those. Because, you know, they they were trying to obviously make money. I mean, you know, that's we're we're always going to be realistic. You know, we want to have, you know, uh, all those good things. But hello, we have to eat. Um, And so they had just kind of done this because it sounded good and that because it sounded good and this because it sounded good. And none of it tied together. And and I could just see the panic in their eyes because, you know, they, they really were in this oh my gosh, mode, you know, and, and so I love that your businesses, while you've got several of them, they all are complementary and they do play well together. That's exactly right. You know, so I have this company called Custom Article Generator because mm-hmm. I have a lot of writers that uh, produce content for me and, and the newsletters and things like that. And so people would ask me, well, you got all these writers. I need some articles on different things, blog posts. Could you recommend somebody? Mm-hmm. And, you know, somewhere around 2010, I came up with this phrase, well, I could make a referral or I could create a revenue stream. And if enough people ask me, so I create a very simple website. Here's, you know, we'll write a 300 word article on any topic. Tell us that, you know, this, this subject that you want, uh, Mm -hmm. two or three keywords you want in there, who your audience is. And one of my writers will write that article. Now, I don't make a lot of money on that service alone, but Mm -hmm. some of those people end up going into my no hassle social media program and vice versa. So they're Mm -hmm. complimentary. I would never tell somebody to be, you know, you know, in, in makeup, landscaping and insurance uh, unless you just simply are an investor and you own those businesses right, and they right. all they all have owner operator or not mm-hmm. owner but managers. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and and uh, you know, I, I love the, the article concept because you're right. Somebody's also going to, you know, if they're really doing this well, they're going to promote it on social media. So they need to know how to do that. And then, you know, you've got your newsletter, you know, uh, business. So it, it really does tie together. It sure does. And and that's really <clears throat> that's really the best way to do it because each one of those businesses was open, Deb, because I was listening to what my customers were either saying or asking for. Mm-hmm. 
And then I, and, and instead of just saying an answer like, oh yeah, let me recommend Susie. She's one of my writers. I said, how can I create a business on this? <laughs> you know? You know, and, and it does mean maybe a lot of, I, I don't want to use the, it, it, it is a lot of kind of juggling because there's, you know, lots of different things going on. But when you have it down to a process, you know, it's, it's really, a, I'm, I'm sure very simple. Might, it might be time consuming, but you know, it's, it's, it is a, a, a streamlined process is maybe the better word. Well, it is now. I mean, it took me um, a couple of years to put all the systems and procedures in place. But honestly, right now, I, I don't lift a finger on anything other than my coaching program and marketing my coaching program. Nice. And so uh, I have a team of 13 virtual assistants. I have a project manager that oversees everything. Uh, I, and all I, the team has not met each other. We just use something called Basecamp. I have, I have writers in Canada and England and designers in this country and mm -hmm. all over every – she oversees all of that. So I meet with her mm -hmm. and she oversees the team and then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, all I do is focus on, on my coaching clients. Right. You know, and, and I think that's one of the things that so many people are still confused about is – you know, as a small business owner, as the entrepreneur, you're thinking that you, you know, we mentioned it, you have to do it all. And it really is in this day and age, pretty easy and not all that expensive to outsource so many things. Um, you know, virtual assistants are in so many ways the way to go. I have, I have three virtual assistants. Um, you know, one works uh, on booking me for Speaking, one works on my blog posts and, and my website, and then the third is my producer for this radio program. You know, I've never met, I've only met one in person. Everything else we do, uh, Skype, we do email. You know, there's no reason to get together. And, you know, it's, it's it really is something that I think every business owner should consider. You know, obviously, in many cases, funds are tight, but, you know, by outsourcing those tasks, it allows me to function on what I do best. And I think that is kind of where small business owners really get lost is they're thinking they, they do have to do everything. You know, uh, I, I hear that a lot, that funds are tight. And, and that could be stating a fact, but I'm also known as a, a straight shooter. I don't sugarcoat anything, especially once you face your mortality. I call it my right. grand, mm -hmm. I call it the grandfather phase mm -hmm. when you get old enough or been through enough where you don't care what people think. Right. You just mm -hmm. say it. And I think that's a load of crap, to be honest with you. Nobody ever started a business without putting money into it. Right. Nobody ever grew a very successful business without investing more into that. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest examples of, um, I guess, chutzpah or whatever you want to call it would be Fred Smith, who started Federal Express mm -hmm. in the late 70s during the uh, Iranian oil embargo, the Carter right. recession. The worst time to do that. Yeah. Now, he didn't just – to prove his overnight letter delivery system, he didn't just buy a used Cessna and fly it around Tennessee, Arkansas, and Kentucky, which is where he was from. He, he invested in multiple used DC-9 jets, pilots, co-pilots, ground crews, delivery vans. He lost millions and millions of dollars because he believed so deeply in what he was doing mm -hmm. that he, he – that's why he did that. So when people say, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm making enough, when I and, – and this is a term I – write about and decide. It's called a when I. When I get to a certain point, I'll hire an assistant. When I get to a certain point, I'll work with a coach. When I mm -hmm. do this, I'll get – and when I's are always moving the goalpost. Right. So and, you and have – some of them you never reach. You have to put the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, here's another example that kind of paints a picture. If you want to earn a million dollars a year, uh, if you're going to work 50 weeks a year and let's say 50 hours in a week, you have to generate $400 an hour. Mm-hmm. 
If you do that, you'll earn a million dollars. Now, if you're doing work, which is either database work, client support work, writing blog posts, whatever it is. In other words, if you're doing task-oriented things that you could hire somebody to do for you, for whether it's $20 or $30 an hour, Mm -hmm. that's what you're worth. Right. And so people say, well, I just don't have the money. Well, listen, you could hire a VA for, let's say I know somebody could, could say five hours would be my minimum, five hours a week. And let's say they're $20. So, you know, hundred dollars, that's four hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. You can put it on a credit card. I know certain <laughs> you right. know, Dave, Dave Ramsey would not like that, but mm-hmm. that's sometimes what you have to do. The, what I would ask you to consider, if you suddenly found yourself with twenty free hours this month, what would you get done? Would you get right. done your book? Would you fix up your website? Would you mm-hmm. go out and do whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Could you do things that then would bring in more money so that thirty or six days down the road you're bringing in enough new revenue to cover that expense? But you gotta do that first. Yes, you have to make that initial investment, and and of course that is kind of a scary thing sometimes. And it's funny, you know, I, somebody asked me, well, what do I pay my virtual assistants per hour? And, and so I told them and they went, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of money. I said, but they, you know, one does two hours a week. One, you know, it's not like I'm paying them a full time salary to do that. Right. You know, and, and the key, of course, with with having VAs is, you know, just like any employees. But I think it has to be even better with VAs to have a very, very clear and defined scope of work. You know, and, and I tell them, you, uh, you know, I want two hours a week from you, three hours, whatever. And, and I say now, you know, if, if I'm doing something that is extending that amount, you know, maybe I've given you too many tasks or whatever, you'll keep me posted on that. Let me know because sometimes, you know, there are things like that, but you know, they want to keep working. So they're not going to all of a sudden invoice me for five hours a week when I'd only agreed on two. And, you know, but by having that very clear defined scope of work, it really allows them to do, you know, exactly what I want in that period of time. Yep. It's a good system. You know, and, and again, it frees me up. You know, I, I love doing my radio program. Anybody who's listened to me over the years knows that I absolutely love that. But there are a lot of very detail oriented things, you know, contacting potential guests, working with the guests, promoting the program, all of those various. And, and to be honest, I love doing that too, but that's a lot of work and it's a lot of work that can be outsourced, you know? And, and so that's sometimes I think where people get caught is they're like, but I love doing that. Okay. Is it making you money? <laughs> yeah. How's that working out for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, website design is probably another one of those examples. I like tinkering on WordPress. You know, I like doing my website, all that stuff. Absolute worst use of my time. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter how much I love it. It's just not a good use of my time. I would agree with that. You know, and, and so it, it does come down to really figuring out what you want to do. You know, I kind of jokingly, you know, talked about goals and, and things like that. But you do have to have those. You know, you can't just keep blundering along and, you know, what is the statistic? Half of all businesses fail in the first couple of years. Um, I don't remember the exact, but it's it's big numbers in a short period of time. 80% fail within five years. Right, right. And I think it's because we try and do it all. We don't plan, you know, and, and we don't, you know, we're just kind of muddling along, hoping that things will work themselves out. Well, 
you know, I've seen statistics like that. So eight, let's say 80% fail in the first five years. The number one reason given is they run out of money. But the reason they run out of money is they run out of courage to keep investing and or they're blowing their money by by doing stupid things. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and, and maybe it is that they, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't have a good business plan. So they're spending money on things that they shouldn't. Um, you know, you, you mentioned blowing your money. You know, it's, I, I know people who belong to every single business association they can, you know, chamber, networking, all those things. And all they're doing is going to those meetings. You know, so not only are they wasting their money, and, and I shouldn't say wasting, they're, they're not being thoughtful about it is probably the, the better way to do it. They're wasting their time too. You know, there's only so much you can get done in networking because, you know, you're not just going to the event, you, you're actually going to the event. So there's travel time, there's there's all of those things. And, and so, you know, it, business people just absolutely have to plan and think about what's best for them. Again, I agree with you. Great. I love that when that happens. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it is, it's challenging. And, and so that's what I love about the, you know, what you offer because you've got, you've got your books, you've got programs. Um, so let's talk about some of those because, you know, that, that is why we're here. We want to talk about some of those things. So one of the first thing I open up your website and what comes up is your 10 day transformation to a dream business starts here free course. Okay, we always like the word free, you know, and, and but I'm sure that there's tons and tons of great value. So tell us about that course and, and why our listeners should sign up for it. Well, basically, I'll walk you through in a in a macro setting, 10,000 foot view, what you need to do <clears throat> and how you need to be willing to invest and in, in mm-hmm. some of the behaviors you need to have in order to grow a dream business. Um, you know, when you get into the when you get on my mailing list, you know, we email probably three times a week. Okay. I've been doing weekly videos for six years, been doing my podcast for five years, been doing my email newsletter for seven years. Um, so we you know, that's kind of the starting point. Mm hmm. Can I teach you how to open a dream business and with 10 emails over 10 days? Absolutely not. But I can get you primed and ready to start thinking about right. doing some different things. And mm-hmm. and most of the time, it's not uh, – most of the people that I work with, it's not for lack of skill or talent or desire. It's because they're just not doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And they most likely have some kind of a roadblock. Um, it's a mindset issue because you could have all the skill in the world. You could actually be the best dentist in the world skill wise. But if you have, um, if you have self-limiting thoughts and things like that, you're going to have so many people, other dentists that are, they're doing twice and three times what your practice is doing. Mm -hmm. So you kind of walk them through that process of actually figuring out what those barriers are. How does that work? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but <laughs> I probably wrote that a year ago. But, you know, there are things that you need to do. I, I, I write about a lot of those in my book, Decide. Like mm-hmm. there, there's head trash that you have to deal with. I mean, are you telling yourself you're not a great speaker, therefore you're not going to speak? Are you telling right. yourself you have a funny voice and you're not comfortable in front of the cameras? So you're not going to do videos. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, I have what I teach. I teach what I call the million dollar platform. These are all the different ways that I have marketed and grown my dream businesses. And so I, I teach those. And whenever, sometimes when I'm doing that, people will say, eh, "I'm not good at that." Or, and and one of the one of the limiting thoughts that I I have people uh, excise from their language is, "Can I just?" Because mm-hmm. if you start a if you start a question with, "Can I just?" That means you want to only do what you're comfortable doing, right? Which or, is sometimes the absolute minimum, right? And and that's not going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and, you know, it is one of those things where they say, you know, can I just post on my blog once a week? Can I just do one Facebook post a week? You know, sure, you can. But like you said, it's not going to be successful. You know, there, it, success leaves clues. If you really want to get, if you want to get somewhere um, where where you haven't been yet, then find somebody who's gone there before you. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that people will jump in their car and they'll talk to their smartphone and say, "I need to go here," and they'll follow those directions right. as if it's gospel. Mm-hmm. But then, if they if somebody's struggling to get to six figures, or or maybe they can't get over six figures. Um, they're not willing to connect with somebody who's already done that and learn from them and be mentored by them. Mm-hmm. Seems well, silly. And I think that is one of the things that I hear so many people, especially when they're struggling, is they think that they're in it alone. Um, you know, and 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 they do the you know, well, I don't have time to do that. I don't have you know, even if it's just reading books. You know, we mentioned that that you've written seven books, and and we do want to talk in in more detail about your your newest, but. You have to make the time, you know, or, you know, it is going to conferences, um, you know, and, and sometimes it's like you said, putting stuff on credit cards, doing all of those things to make yourself successful. I, I teach something in my live event called Dream Business Academy. I call it um, Millionaire Mind Hacks. Mm-hmm. So there's certain things that you can do to get comfortable with money because I do believe the way you think about money and feel about money mm-hmm. is either going to repel or attract money. Um, <clears throat> most of us grew up or probably I would think most of us grew up with what I call top of the stairs thinking. So you're sitting at the top of the stairs after you've been sent to bed, listening to your parents talk about how broke they are, can't go on vacation, better cut mm-hmm. back on the groceries, can't do this, that, and the other thing, we're out of money. Mm-hmm. That be- that becomes, um, you know, kind of a controlling thought. Even as you become an adult, you could even be making more money than your parents ever made, but you keep thinking money is finite and it's going to run out and it's not. Right. You know, the, the money is infinite as long as you're providing enough value to the to the right size audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's different things you can do there. Um, one of the, I'll give you an actionable thing. One of the things I do, even though I, 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 I charge everything, I have one card for my business and one card for my personal life. Everything goes on the credit card because I get air, airline miles from right. both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always have money. I always have money in my pocket, in my wallet, in my desk drawer, in my mm-hmm. boat, and where in my, the middle of my thing in my car seat. Wherever I am, I can look down and see cash, whether it's mm-hmm. a bunch of ones, fives, couple twenties, maybe a 50. It's always there. Mm-hmm. I almost never spend it because I charge everything. Mm-hmm. But my mind is always seeing cash, which tells me, okay, there's plenty of cash. I and like that. That's a simple thing you can do, and I, I, mm-hmm. I discuss a lot more of those as well. That I that's a I you know I love that concept and you know I, I, I you know several things in there first the credit cards you know it's it's perfectly okay folks to be using credit cards pay them off pay them off you know and and but find the ones that are going to give you the benefits you know Jim wants airline miles you know I want points on my American Express that I can use for other things I mean you know there's the and you know heavens there's thousands of cards out there now that that you know so you can pick and choose. Um, but yeah, find the things that are benefits. You know, it, it, it's funny in a lot of ways, people of my generation were brought up that you, you know, it was not good to use credit cards. Um, you know, you shouldn't be in debt. Well, you're not in debt if you pay them off every month <laughs> and, and maybe you can't pay them off. You know, again, some of these, you know, things are going to take time, but you know, there's, you know, it, it's okay to use credit cards. Um, you know, and, and, but then the other, I love that concept of always seeing money. 
Um, you know, and, and like you said, it doesn't have to be, you know, hundred dollar bills, but it, it gets you in that mindset of, oh yeah, I have money. And, you know, and it's, it, it seems very simple, but obviously it's very powerful. It is. It is. Cause, um, what we see and think about is what expands. And so mm-hmm. you always want to be telling your mind that, you know, you're, you live in a time of abundance. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm going to have to rethink because what I do, I I'm like you, I put everything on cards or debit cards, you know, things like that. And so I just never carry cash. I never have cash. I mean, you know, sometimes I'm doing good if there's two or $3 in my wallet <clears throat> because I just put everything on, on credit or debit cards. And but this, it never occurred to me that I really do need to be seeing cash to to start having that thought process of the abundance of wealth. Yep, it's good. It's a it's a very simple hack, but I'm telling you, it works works like crazy. You know, and it does make me kind of wonder. You know, like when you go into a business and they've got their framed first dollar bill up on the wall, that's kind of the same thought process. You know, they're seeing that all of, all the time. Uh, there's, I'll give you one more, um, it's, and this has to do with credit card debt because I, I, I know and have trained many entrepreneurs, and they all at one point in, or another have credit card debt, and I did too. I, I had at the highest point, I had 140,000 credit card debt, and one thing that I, I – there was two things. One, very smart person told me I would never be able to save my way out of debt. I need to grow my way out of debt. So mm-hmm. we came up with a plan. We implemented it, and sure enough, about a year and a half later, we had paid almost all of it off with new client business. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a different belief system. The other belief system is I stopped calling it credit card debt because like so many people, especially in our generation, uh, we were told that credit card debt is bad. So right. I looked at and go, my God, what a horrible human being I am. I don't yeah, know if I – Oh, my gosh. And oh. so – and so um, I got some help with a, with a pretty smart mindset coach, and I instead of calling it credit card debt, I called it lines of credit. I happen to have lines of credit with Capital One, with American Express, you know, with Citibank mm-hmm. and, and Bank of America. And when I needed money to to keep my house going or to do any or to to go to a seminar, whatever it is, I just tapped one of my lines of credit. And like any other line of credit, I know I'll pay it back when I when I have the funds. So there's things you can do to get over yourself. But the people who think they're going to grow a business based on cash flow alone and, you know, I'll put in my initial seed money, but that's it. This business either goes or it doesn't. Don't even start. Don't right. even start. Right. Go back to corporate America or whatever it was because you don't have the right mindset. Right. You know, and, and there is that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of trite and we hear it all the time. It takes money to make money, but it's very true. I mean, you know, you, you have to keep doing that. And, and I'm also going to include, uh, you know, kind of things like your time. So maybe it should be it takes investment to make money, you know. So it is investing in yourself, um, in getting a mentor, in, you know, reading, studying up, learning from the experts, all those things that we've already been talking about. It takes all of that to be successful. And I don't, you know, and, and I'm sorry, you got to find time for it. Um, you know, it, it, and, and, you know, I'm like you, I've had some, you know, near death experiences and, and so it does change your priority. I mean, you do think, okay, you know, what's, what am I going to be when I grow up? But it shouldn't take that for everybody. You know, it, we really do need to have that mindset of I'm going to make the investment that is necessary to become successful. I agree. You know, and, and it, it is something that, 
you know, again, I think so many business owners struggle with, and and especially if they are, say, the primary business owner, um, you know, and and but that's where it's great to really, you know, we, I'm, I'm just going to keep hammering on this. We have to look outside for assistance, you know, whether it's reading books, taking programs, having mentors, you know, all those various things, we're not in it alone. Um, you know, and, and so folks, if, if that's the only message you ever get from me in, you know, all my programs, it's that you, you're not doing this alone. There are ways that you can do this, but you have to reach out. They're not going to come hit you over the head and say, read me, buy with me, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, you know, I love some of the other businesses that that you have and and I want to talk about them because I think they are very good for these people who may be struggling with, you know, what to do and, and some some things like that. So you mentioned your no hassle newsletters. Tell us a little bit more about that. It's a done for you uh, newsletter system. So there's not a business on the planet that should not be sending out a monthly print and mail, paper and ink customer newsletter. And uh, we basically do all the work for you. Every month we create over 12 templates which are ready to go. You simply put your name on there, send it out to your customer list. A lot of people will will maybe edit one or include one of their own articles. But for the most mm -hmm. part, um, you can put out a newsletter in, in less than an hour a month for a really, really good price. And that's where um, that's where more customer interaction, where your customers stay, that you're staying top of mind with your customers. So when they're ready to buy or refer again, you're going to be the first one they think of. Right. You know, and I love that it's a printed newsletter, um, you know, and because we don't get those. You know, we, those were obviously very popular before we had email and all of those things. But now they're back kind of in vogue because we don't get them. So if you've got a good one that stands out, it's it's phenomenal. Absolutely. And, you know, there's too many people who are kind of cheap and lazy about this because they, well, I don't want to spend 75 cents or a dollar a month, um, you know, sending a newsletter. But then they don't, they don't, those are the same people who don't understand what the average lifetime value of a client is. Mm -hmm. So if an average client to you stays, let's just say three years, seven years, it's worth either 3000 or 15000 whatever it is, you need to know that number. Um, and if you if you can't invest $12 uh, a year for somebody that on average spends, say, five or $10,000, that's mm -hmm. bad thinking. You know, and I love that you have the content provided. And, and of course, I can hear, you know, in my little head, the, the little people saying, you mean my newsletter would have the same content that somebody else's does? Get over it, folks. Unless they've got the two newsletters right next to each other, they're not going to get. And, and they're, they're not going to get that. You know, they're not going to have two newsletters from two different companies right next to each other to say, oh, look, it's the same content. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it never, it has never happened to me in like 30 years of doing right, this. Right. You know, and here's the big thing. Why reinvent the wheel? You know, what you've got is a great proven product. So why not take advantage of that? Well, again, uh, cheap and lazy, I think. And I hate to be negative about it, but I've done this a long time. That's why people uh, want to just rely on email alone because it's mm -hmm. it's cheap, it, it's easy and, and or free, but it's mm -hmm. it's nowhere near as effective. Right. You know, I remember, and you know, this was back when I was in corporate America, so this was a while ago, getting, you know, a printed newsletter from, you know, wherever, and, and somebody put a sticky note on it. And it would make the rounds and, you know, and, and everybody had to read it and check off your name, you know, and, and all of those things. But that was because whatever it was had great content and the, 
you know, department manager, CEO, whoever it was that was sending it around really recognized that that was, was great content. If they had just forwarded an email, you know, you might have read it, you might not, you know, all those various things. But having that printed thing in front of you and how many did we keep? I mean, there were so many newsletters that you'd put your own sticky notes on and, and you kept them um, because, it, it, you know, yeah, it, it's having something physical in front of you really does make a big difference. Exactly. It's the only thing that's going to get 100% deliverability. Think of it that way. Right, right. You know, and, and I tell people the same thing about direct mail. You know, I, every week people tell me direct mail is dead. I'm not going to waste my money on it. I'm going to use email. I'm going to use Facebook, blah, blah, blah. And OK, we'll talk about those later because they do have a place. But again, you know, if you have a great direct mail piece that stands out, I have some stuck up on my wall here that, you know, I've had up here for years because they're great pieces. And, it, you know, so it's a, a reminder, you know, it's a great piece, but it's a reminder that that business exists. Yeah, good one. Good one. Good point. You know, and, and so it takes time, you know, to develop the right thing, to figure out your right audience. Um, you know, we're, we're not saying blast the world. You know, that's the way we used to have to do it, right? You know, we print 30,000 of something and buy a mailing list and, you know, 99% of those people could have cared less about it. So it's about being strategic now and really using your money and your resources in the best possible way. Well, I, I've never subscribed to mailing thirty thousand of anything uh, to people I didn't well, you, know. It used to be cheaper, you know. That was that was the big thing, you know. When you really, when you had to use the true printing presses, they would tell you, well, the best way to do it is, you know, and, and of course, then those things called, you know, laser printers came along and and on demand, and and so that made it much easier. But yeah, back in the day when I, you know, really was doing direct mail pieces for businesses, we would it was the most cost effective to print a gazillion of them at once. Um, and, but it was also the best way to waste a lot of money. No doubt. Yep. You got to know who your audience is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I wonder about the companies that are selling mailing lists and things like that. Clearly they've gotten much better at it or they wouldn't still be in business. But, um, you know, but that, that is the thing for people to remember. Um, but when we're talking about a newsletter, we're not saying it's going to, every Tom, Dick, and Harry. It's a very qualified list of people that it's going to. Well, Deb, it's the qualified list because it's going to your customers. <laughs> you know, and, and these are people who care about you and, and, um, and hopefully want to help you, you know, so maybe it's a referral, you know, maybe it's that they use your business again, but you know, why not take the time to get something in front of them once a month that reminds them that you exist? Exactly. You know, and we laugh about social media, and of course, you know, that's, that is kind of my venue and my forte is social media, but, you know, how many times, and I do this every day, you know, it's like, I saw a post about, now, who, what, where, uh, you know, and, and, and I can't go back to it, but if I have, again, something printed in front of me, there it is. You know, I'm not having to try to remember to go back and look for it and find it. Um... You know, the thing about newsletters is they hang around. They stay on coffee yes. tables. People refer to them. They get passed around. Nobody mm -hmm. passes around social media. No. It's not even possible. No. You know, there's there's share. There's all those things. But it, it is so very different. It's, you know, it's not even in the same conversation. Yes, ma'am. We're, we're in agreement. Yeah. Okay, but let's talk about social media because one of the products that you have is No Hassle Social Media. And, and I love the name because so many people 
tell me, you know, and, and here I am, the social media person, I don't have time, I don't know what I'm doing, what do I post, when do I post, all those various, and their little eyes cross, and then they don't do anything. So tell us about No Hassle Social Media. It is a content program. It's not a con- It's not a social media management program. We provide a ton of content, blog posts, um, th- Twitter uh, tweets, and, and Facebook updates, things you can post on LinkedIn. We cover at least least 30 different uh, categories so no matter who you are or what you do if you know you should be posting content and and content's really important mm-hmm. um, for uh, basically about uh, 47 dollars a month you have an unlimited supply of content which gets refreshed every month and um, so that that's what it is it's it, it is a time saver for for time starved uh, business owners mm-hmm and again, folks, it's so you can use your time in a better way. So, you know, you, you mentioned, so are these industry-specific categories? How does that work? You know, the, for example, if, you know, would I get marketing posts? Or, yes. You know, okay. Yep. It's about, thir- I, 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 I actually haven't looked at it in a while. It's at least 30 different categories. So everything from marketing to uh, business to insurance to home life balance to all these all the different topics that you would find either in my classifications are fun, interesting, informative, and entertaining. Those are the things that you'll find there, uh, and those are things that you want to post on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, and and again, you know, we can be doing this ourselves. We can find content and we can curate content and you know all that good stuff. And it's not necessary. You know, this this is all about how to best use your time, um, you know, and, and to get that content from a trusted resource like Jim. It's a time saver. That's it. Mm-hmm. And right. time is money. Right. You know, it, it's funny. I, I have several different things that I use to, to post online and, and several different resources. And I use content curation and, you know, several other things. And people are always saying, oh, my gosh, you must spend all day just looking for articles to post. And I'm like, no, you know, and now, of course, I don't give them away my secrets, but it, it is it is about knowing how to do it in a very efficient way. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Again, I agree with you. Right. Well, let's let's talk. You know, you've written numerous books, um, but your most current one is Decide, the ultimate success trigger. And I have a confession. Normally, I have read the book, uh, you know, at least one of the books of my guests. And, oh, Jim, I'm so sorry. I haven't read your book. But that means that you can tell me even more about it. So tell us about Decide, the ultimate success trigger, and who should be reading it. Everybody who's not achieving their dreams should be reading it because what's going on is not a lack of a skill or a talent. It's it's something wrong between the ears, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what I figured out from from being in business as long as I have is that highly successful people have almost an uncanny ability when they're presented with a challenge or a question or an opportunity. Uh, they quickly decide yes or no, pros and cons, and then they make a decision. And a decision is yes or no. Maybe is actually uh, an indecision, and that lands you to a place that I call Squishyville. Squish- there, I know. I was just looking. That's your chapter one. Nothing happens in Squishyville. There are no top one percenters in Squishyville, uh, people who put it on the back burner, think about it later. In other words, just, uh, I can't make a decision. Those are people, see, growing businesses thrive on momentum and indecision is a momentum killer. Indecision is the opposite of momentum. Mm-hmm. And now 
I believe that your ability to make decisions is just, I think you have a decision, it's like a muscle. And like mm-hmm. any muscle, if you exercise it and work it out enough, it's going to get stronger. So your ability to make decisions actually gets better with the more decisions you make. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it is difficult. And whether you've been you know, in business for many years or you know, you're, you're just starting out. We do some, you know, in many cases, get into the analysis, paralysis by analysis and the, the what ifs and the could I just, you know, and, and so you've got to get out of that squishyville. So, you know, how does somebody, you know, how do they actually focus and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do? Well, uh, I give a lot of tips in the book, but basically you have to get comfortable not being a perfectionist. You have to be okay knowing that every decision is not going to work out. Every decision, especially to a growing business, is not a business killer because you can course correct as you go. You can absorb an occasional goof or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you, you basically go with your gut. Your gut, intuition, spirit, whatever you want to call it, is usually right, I would guess, 99% of the time. The problem mm-hmm. is when you do go to think about it and you just just – nurture that thing forever, um, that's when your heart and your emotions kick in. And and decisions based on emotion are usually not the right ones. You you need to go with your gut. And that's almost always the first thing that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. You know, and and you mentioned the fact that, you know, we want to be perfect. Um, You know, I was a great example of that for several years. I would tell people, you have to blog. You have to blog. You have to blog. And they would look at me and say, where's your blog? I want to read it. And I'd go, (laughs) <laughs> because I'd start a post and it wouldn't be perfect. So I couldn't post it, you know, and then I'd go look and then I'd write in, Oh no, that one wasn't perfect. So I couldn't post it either. And, and I did get into that. Oh my gosh, it has to be perfect. And some, you know, wise person who I truly value their opinion looked at me and in, you know, basically screamed and shook my shoulders and, and said, just start. <laughs> and they were so right. You know, it, it wasn't perfect. There are mistakes. You know, we all look back at things when we were starting and think, oh, my gosh, you know, it, it wasn't that, you know, the, there were so many things wrong with it. But you learn along the way. But you're not going to do that if you don't actually start. That's right. You know, the thing is, nobody's perfect. So if you even think you're trying to be perfect, you're trying for something that's an impossibility. Right. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> one of the strategies that I help people with is you have to decide. Um, you have to make a decision that you're going to choose to be judged on the value of the content and the information you're sharing and not the imperfect way in which you're sharing it. Mm-hmm. I'll let that settle there for a minute, right? It's not about being perfect. It's about providing value. Right. And if you focus on that, you are going to attract more people that agree with you and you're going to repel people who who maybe are looking for perfection. And right. by the way, even if you, you know, so anyway, that's a strategy that a lot of people can use. Uh, if you put out good information and your, your, your heart's in the right place and you get your, your ethics and your morals right and you're putting out good value, that's all that counts. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny because you mentioned value and that's one of those things that I think so many people get caught up in in several ways. They think, well, you know, is, is value, does it mean giving stuff away? Well, you know what? Sometimes you have to give stuff away to, to, to make money. You know, we all, you know, that, that's something that, that is, is there, but you know, it's, it's also that, that trap that we get caught into is what is value? You know, how are we going to provide it? And, and, you know, all of those things. And, and it's, you know, that leads us back to Squishyville. That's right. Nothing happens in Squishyville. 
No, you know, and, and so again, folks, you just have to start. Is it going to be wrong? Is it going to be, you know, full of errors? Probably, but you know, that's okay. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny. You mentioned the fact that, you know, there are people who will be looking for something different. You know, maybe they were looking for perfection or different value or different. Okay. You don't want to work with them anyway. So away, they're gone. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You know, and we're not everything to everyone. I think that's, you know, that is probably one of the, the hardest things for, especially someone just starting out to, to get over is figuring out who they really should be working with. And, you know, and, and I talk about this on virtually every radio program that I do. We're not selling our product or our service to everyone. Yes, we want to sell as much as we can because, you know, we want to go live on a boat, but, you know, or, or take that dream vacation. But, you know, if you're trying to be everything to everyone, you're going to be nothing to everyone. I think Ben Franklin said something very similar to that. Oh, I like that. I'm, I'm channeling Ben. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it is, you know, it is a struggle to figure out who and, and what you are and, and what you're trying to do. Um, you know, and, and so now you've got a chapter that I think might lead into that. You've got decide not to be an imposter. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people suffer from the imposter syndrome and whether you're just starting out or maybe you are doing six figures or even if you're doing multiple seven figures, a lot of people struggle with the concept that they're going to be found out. And, mm-hmm. and the found out usually means that somebody's going to find out I'm not as good or as smart or as successful as I think I am or that people believe me to be. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that is a uh, progress killer. Um, right. So, yeah, you need to fix that. Uh, there, the imposter syndrome is uh, something that affects a lot of people, even in uh, uh, non-entrepreneurial circles. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. You know, and, and do we really care? In, in a lot of ways about what other people think about us, you know, and, and sure to some degree, but it, it, it certainly means, you know, we, but we still have to be true to ourselves and, and be authentic. Well, authenticity will attract a lot more people than perfectionism, believe it or not, because mm-hmm. every most people recognize there is no such thing as perfection. And so mm-hmm. if you present yourself as a perfect person, they're not going to relate to you. If they don't relate to you, they're not going to hire you. Right. You're a scary person. I mean, why would I want to be, you know, around somebody who's perfect? <laughs> it's not my choice. I know. You know, and 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 it's you know, it's it's funny because there are those people in a lot of ways that we think are perfect. You know, obviously celebrities, people like that, you know, and and then they come crashing down off that pedestal and we think, "Oh my gosh, they're horrible and awful." Or it could be the business person. You know, you're thinking this is a, a fabulous business person and then you find out that they declared bankruptcy. You know, and then, of course, your immediate assumption is they've gone to from being a perfect person to the absolute worst. We're all kind of halfway in between. <laughs> you know, we, we make mistakes, we learn from our mistakes, and we go hopefully merrily along. We're all a work in progress, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's where it, you know, it is difficult is we are that work in progress. You know, we and, and I'm going to say this again. That's where we keep learning. We keep, you know, having mentors, all of those things, because the second you stop doing all of that, your business stops. <laughs> yes, I know. I mean, there's so many. Th- and by the way, that's why most businesses fail, because there are so many mind. There's so many minds out there <laughs> that just trip us up constantly. The people that actually make it, they really got their stuff together. Mm hmm. Right. And and they don't, you know, they don't listen to criticism. Now, they might to a degree that, you know, it, it could help them, 
but you know they don't get caught up in the oh my gosh you know they said i was horrible and awful and and i'm horrible and awful and you know that that whole circle um you know they just they have that clear mindset as to where they're going to go and how they're going to get there focus right i think that's what you said Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the show right and it is hard you know especially you know i'm one of those people i'm squirrel (laughs) you know and so but that's where it helps to work with a mentor or go through a coaching program and you have that you know and and you know there's obviously lots of those out there but let's talk about yours what is your dream business coaching and mastermind about it's a um actually kevin harrington one of the original sharks he wrote the forward to my previous book and um he actually called it a movement uh which i really like so it is a dream business movement and um we have uh i've helped for going on seven years probably a hundred entrepreneurs i got about 50 in my program right now that i'm helping them uh build their dream business which is going to ultimately provide them with financial freedom and time freedom uh we go really deep onto my million dollar platform which are all the different ways that you need to market yourself uh, most of the work I do uh, is revolves around branding and positioning and creating the marketing that will attract um, a, a nice, healthy, steady flow of customers. Mm-hmm. So you're not always feeling like you're fishing all the time. You're not trolling in the boat with your fishing pole hanging over the side. You actually have fish jumping in your boat. That's the ultimate right. goal. Right. So tell us a couple steps because you know we we do want people to actually do your program. But tell us a couple of things that that you know you would share with people in those programs. How do they get those fish to jump into the boat? It is having the right marketing program. It's understanding. Um, it's a it's a multi um, uh, leg stool, so to speak. So there's the right market, the right message, and then you got to match that to the right audience. <clears throat> Not everybody is going to be your target audience, and mm-hmm. so you have to figure out which product at which price is going to resonate with the with the biggest pool of prospects. I'm all about helping people find kind of the fastest way to the to the greatest increase in revenue, um, because ultimately, when you're building a dream business, whether it's product related or service related. Uh, uh, it is all built – every business is built on the back of relationships. And relationships, no matter how fast you want to push them or how, how much you want to have – how many you want to have more of, you can't do that overnight, right? So mm-hmm. relationships take time. So we're always on kind of a two-track. We're always working with what I call the current business and the future business. What can we do to up-level your current business so we can increase the cash flow? And mm-hmm. then what can we do um, to, to bring in another revenue stream because that's the other thing I do is I help people create multiple streams of revenue. So um, right. <clears throat> when the occasional uh, dip happens in one, they can absorb it and ride it out because they got uh, other streams of revenue as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and things change, you know, and, and we've we talked about the fact that, you know, you have these complimentary things, you know, right now, social media is kind of one of the hot things. It's not always going to be, you know, and, and if you had a business that's simply focused on social media, then you, you're going to be in trouble and probably sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I, I know people who focused just on a specific social media platform. So just Facebook or just Twitter or, you know, just LinkedIn, whatever. And, you know, those things change. Um, now, granted, they're, you know, they're, they're still on the upswing for the most part. But, you know, they, they are declining. So they're, they're kind of evolving in, in a lot of ways. But if you set your sights on just one thing, I mean, that, it's like the, the guy who, you know, uh, be, you know, focus simply on, say, you know, a, a product for a steam engine. 
Well, when steam engines went away, his business went away. Um, you know, and, and so you absolutely have to think about how you're going to diversify and grow. Yep, yep, exactly. Imagine if you were a copy or a, a fax machine salesman these days. Right, right. You know, or even, you know, things like printer ink or, you know, and, and I mean, clearly there's, you know, a lot of those things are still in use. But, um, you know, I, I talked to somebody who, you know, spent many, many years as a Xerox salesman and he actually worked for the, the company Xerox. But, um, you know, yeah, he sold copy machines, made a killing for many years. And then, you know, it, you could go buy that same machine in Office Depot, Staples, whatever, and, you know, and, and you didn't need it, um, you know, and, and so, and he had nowhere to go because that had been his entire focus. Yeah. That's why you got to diversify and have multiple streams of revenue. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and is it scary? Sure. You know, because you find your little niche and you're very happy in your little niche, but your little niche is going to change. You know, there's, there's, even if you're something like say a physician, I mean, you know, look at the fact that now they're doing, you know, uh, office calls via Skype. Um, you know, surgery is now done by, uh, robots, you know, all of these various things, technology is progressing. And so you absolutely have to progress also. No doubt. Like, good good way to wrap it up, I would think. Right, right. So we do have just a couple minutes left. Um, so tell us, you know, a, a couple quick tips as to how somebody can really start, you know, maybe they're floundering. It's like, oh, Jim, I don't know what I want to, you know, I'm just stuck. How would you tell somebody to, to start getting unstuck? You know, it's... um. I'm not trying to be evasive. It, there is no easy answer to that because, right, right. It, you know, there's too many. And certainly not in a minute. No, there's in too many individual circumstances. I mean, I tell people when they join my coaching program, it's a one-year commitment. The reason for that is we may not strike gold for the first, second, third, or fourth call. Who knows? We, we have to uncover that. And so mm -hmm. just trying to do something off the cuff like that. But I'll, I'll tell you this, Deb, and I semi-repeat myself. It all comes down to branding. You will earn significantly more money for who you are than what you do. The deliverable about what you do, there that's called an also. And I don't care how unique you are. There are also tons of other people that do what you do. But there's only one you. And so you need to uh, cre create some uh, branding and some, some celebrity branding for yourself. Turn yourself into an expert and then market the heck out of that. That's And that's where most people fall down because they're not good at that. Right. And they think, you know, it, it comes back to their kind of perception of themselves. You know, they, they, they don't think they're good enough or, you know, they recognize that, the, you know, you can buy it from anybody and everybody. So I'll just kind of get what I can. No, no. You know, set yourself up to be the person that they get it from. Exactly. That's the prescription right there. Great. Well, Jim, one last time, tell people how they find you online and connect with you. GetJimPalmer.com. www.GetJimPalmer.com. Okay, now that could not be easier. I think so. <laughs> you know, you've got your resources there. You know, we mentioned the the uh, free ten week uh, program that you've got. You know, your books, all of those things. So again, it's getjimpalmer.com. That's it. Perfect, perfect. Well, Jim, I've had a great time talking about this. You know, I'm sure we'll have you on again because you've got such good information and you'll have more books that come out. So we want to talk about those. So I've been having a great time talking with you. Thank you, Deb. It's been a pleasure being on. 
Perfect. Well, for everyone out there, have an absolutely fabulous day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.